It's good to see each of you this <clears throat> beautiful sunny morning, the first Sunday of March. What a beautiful day it is and the opportunity to gather and greet one another again and to already have lifted our voices in songs of praise. Our hope and prayer is that our praise is honoring to God and that he bestows his blessings. Two scriptures there on the screen, <coughs> excuse me, are the ones I want us to examine this morning. I want to begin by hearing the words from Psalm 142, verse 4. I may have thrown a curveball, there it is. Hear the description of what this person is saying. Look to my right and see that no one is concerned for me. There's no escape. I have no refuge. No man cares for me, for my life. Look to the right and see there's no one who regards me. No one cares for my life. A few years ago, a book written by Dr. Tom Rayner was published in August of 2022. The book was entitled The Anatomy of a, of a Revived Church, Seven Findings About How Congregations Avoid Death. Some years prior to publication of that book, there was one written by another author by the name of George Barner, which was entitled Turnaround Churches. Both of those books, Turnaround Churches and The Anatomy of a Revived Church, make important points which the Scripture emphasizes. In that one, a look at 30 churches that experienced a turnaround. They succeeded in making a turnaround because they recommitted themselves to their mission and they began to more wholeheartedly abide by God's word and to know that the mission of the church is proclaiming the message of God's love and his grace unto salvation to the whosoever will believe. And it's the proclaiming not only of that message as we gather here in the meeting place on Sunday morning, but as you and I are out there in the marketplace where there are people who do not know that God loves them, that he knows them by name, and that Jesus who died on the cross died for their sin and invites them to come unto him for new life. In the book by Mr. Barner, he compared dying churches to what happened with the Buck catalog. Some of us are old enough to remember turning through the pages of the catalog. A 
As some of us may remember, it was in June of 2015 that Sears Roebuck closed all of its stores For almost a 100 years, Sears was the symbol of a mail-order catalog business and retail stores, and the business thrived. Back in 1894 was when Sears first introduced its catalog. But in 1993, Sears announced that their catalog would cease. What had worked well in their past was no guarantee of their future success, and there's a truth there for churches. But we must make this observation. The irony with Sears Roebuck is that their business, when they shut it down, the catalog mail order business, was a $90 billion per year business. And they shut it down. At the very time when direct marketing was at its height, the most successful catalog company made the decision to quit the publication of that catalog that had served for so many years. And the point is, whether it's in business or churches, unwise decisions and poor timing oftentimes leads to significant losses. Mr. Barner went on <clears throat> to make a comparison to the church in the 21st century. <clears throat> it has to be observed that today there are churches that are reaching people and new churches are being birthed almost weekly. Do you know where that is? It's in mainland China and in India. <clears throat> <coughs> Twenty years ago, I was on a preach, <coughs> preaching mission in mainland in uh, India. <coughs> I was there for two weeks, and night after night, in an open-air, forty-acre field, the crowd grew larger. The downside is when you're preaching in your language and those people speak a different language. It takes twice as long because standing next to me was a translator. But the people came, and that included those, as was true 20 years ago, they talked about the caste system. But I'll never forget the second night. The invitation was given, and there must have been 35 or so people of the lowest caste who came. And here I was up on a high bamboo platform. And as I saw those people coming and gathering there to the front in accepting the invitation to receive Jesus, I remember reading from Chuck Colson's book. And something that he said that he had preached in a similar situation and that he felt come down off the platform and spread his arms out over the people as he prayed. And that's what I did. I carefully climbed down the, the bamboo steps down to the level ground and I gathered around the people and put my arms out as I prayed. And there was the sound of weeping. And night after night, there were persons, some of the lower caste, some of the upper caste, who responded to the witness of the gospel. 
The gospel is still today the power of God unto salvation to whosoever will believe. And you and I are the ones entrusted with that treasure <clears throat> to use our personal opportunities and our personal influence and our own voice to speak a word that may give hope to the one who's discouraged and hopeless. To speak a word that may help someone know, yes, that God loves them and God knows them by name and that God has a plan for them better than the life they are presently living. Whenever a church comes more fully alive, is renewed in its commitment, knowing that we're called to be great commissioned Christians. When a church is more fully alive and begins to seriously look for ways to reach out and touch those who are in the world, but also are those who are without hope of the promise of their eternity. When a church becomes more fully alive, God can multiply the results that you and I make. <clears throat> a number of years ago, when I left a full-time pastorate, I had opportunity to preach in northern Virginia, Great Falls, Virginia, a United Methodist church. The pastor there, young Korean pastor, is married to uh, Yeon Mi, who was one of my former exchange students, and that's how the relationship developed. And one Sunday, one Sunday, people came who had never been there in that service. There were those who wanted to know that the gospel is good news for them. I spent a week in there a few years ago meeting with the 20-some members of that congregation on a Saturday morning and to have a Saturday afternoon session. No, there was no plan to have a Saturday afternoon session. It was to be a Saturday morning and a Sunday afternoon session. But here's what happened. That Saturday morning as I met with those 20-some members of that small Methodist church talking to them about renewal of their focus on why they existed as a church, I had my phone set to ding to note me, uh, uh, give me notice that it was time to wrap things up and go home. And when that alarm sounded and I began to wrap things up, two men stood up and said, Pastor, if you are prepared for the session you were going to give tomorrow, go ahead and give it to us now. And we'll trust that you are prepared for a session tomorrow. And that's what happened. I could not have imagined what Sunday would bring. I preached that morning. I was helping Ho, H-O is his name, who's the pastor, uh, as the people came forth for the Lord's Supper sharing. I could see cars coming in on the gravel parkway, uh, a parking lot. I knew that that Methodist church rented its building to a new congregation comprised of Hispanics, mainly from Cuba and Puerto Rico. 
I didn't know what time their service began. I soon, soon after we finished, but that wasn't so. No, their service wasn't until 4 o'clock, but the parking lot was filling up. What had happened on Saturday afternoon, the pastor and some of the members called that pastor and some of that members invited them to come to that Sunday afternoon session. And so as we were concluding, they were beginning to go into the other building where we would meet. And that Sunday afternoon, we had 80-some persons present. And what I can tell you about that little Methodist church, as it became revived in its focus on reaching people with the gospel, they began to see new people come. And they were able to develop a children's choir because one of the newer members was a family that was there that Sunday I speak of. And she came forward at the close of the service and said, my family and I want to be a part of this congregation and I'm prepared to play the piano on Sunday rather than their having to use YouTube for the singing. And so that church has prospered. And that Hispanic church outgrew the building. They no longer rent the space. They outgrew what that space could accommodate. When a church comes more fully alive and begins to take seriously, to look for specific ways to reach out and impact the lives of those who, like the verse I read a moment ago, I look to my right and see that no one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No man cares for me. I'll never forget that that Hispanic pastor introduced to me a young mother holding an infant child. And part of what he said was, she used to walk the streets, addicted to drugs, but today, since she came to Christ, she's been the one who has brought numerous others to Christ and into the fellowship of this church. Those who know go to those who need to know Jesus. When a church is more fully alive, the people know the vital importance of the message that we have to share, the mission that we are given by God himself to declare the gospel both near and far in whatever life situation we may find ourselves. And then I want us to look in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. Here are the words found in Revelation, the chapter that has the messages to the churches of that day. One of those <clears throat> was a church in Sardis. And it says there, in verse 4, but you have a few people in Sardis, who have not, in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. But there's another verse that says, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. And you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. If you know about those messages in the book of Revelation, 
There was one named Laodicea that was described as lukewarm. There was the church at Philadelphia. Philadelphia means the city of brotherly love. I encourage you to take time to read through those messages in Revelation to those seven churches. There were words of praise, but there were also words of warning. And so in Revelation chapter 3, verse 2, let's look at that verse. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Years ago, Jesus called the church to wake up and he's calling the churches today while there is still time to turn things around. He's calling his people to wake up, become more fully alive. There are churches all across America who have closed. As I've been researching for the writing and publication of a book, I've discovered that there are real, real estate agencies that are specializing in the sale of empty church houses. And one of those that I identify by location in my manuscript is a church in Indiana. I spent 23 years in Indiana. A beautiful brick edifice. And the advertisement for that church, $150,000 for the church and the parsonage, and by the way, for unused supplies. There's a church in Pennsylvania that has sold, and it has become housing for immigrants. This is happening from the East Coast to the West Coast. God is saying, wake up and strengthen the things that remain. <clears throat> Well, I have not found your deeds complete. I believe that Satan himself has serious fears and concerns when a church that is in decline, such as the one in Sardis, or the ones in our cities and communities here in America, Satan has serious concerns the moment that a core group in that local church hear the word of God saying, wake up, wake up. That core group, that remnant becomes a catalyst. Becomes the catalyst and those who help get the church back on its mission and make the witness of the gospel a priority. A priority, yes, to encourage one another and to gather in fellowship and use our voices and give our attention to the singing of the hymns, but also the proclamation of the word, but going out from the, mission, the meeting place knowing that the mission field is out there. Remember... Uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 3 in Revelation says, Remember 
what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I come. God did not want Sardis to go to a church, uh, church growth conference in Philippi. I don't know if they had them in Philippi, but point of illustration. Rather, he was calling that church back to its basics. And today, he's calling the churches who still have time to hear and to act. He's calling us. Let me illustrate. Some of you know the name of Coach Vince Lombardi. He tried to wake up the sleeping giant of the Green Bay Packers a few years ago, and he called them back to basics. He knew that they needed to focus on football basics of blocking and tackling, and he took it to, us, to the extreme. He held up a football, and he said, Gentlemen, this is a football. Now let me illustrate the same point in a different way. This is the Bible. We affirm that it's the holy and inspired word of God for the practice of our faith and for the knowledge and the wisdom, for the words of encouragement to our own lives. But as we have received, we're to go forth, pray for, and give the message to someone else that they may come hopefully to faith in Jesus. What is the solution for a declining church? I read verse 4 of Revelation 3. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. You who are here this morning are a part of the spiritual remnant upon which, upon whom the immediate and the future of this church so much depends. You and I are called to walk by faith, to be strengthened in prayer, joyful in worship, empowered by the Spirit, knowing that your life and mine can influence the lives of others with the witness of the gospel. And for some of them, the seed sown is going to bear good fruit. The Bible is bread to a hungry soul. It is light that gives guidance to where we walk. It is the sword by which we know victory and overcome the obstacles. Each one of us must follow Jesus' words wherein he said, wake up, return to the basics, and be more fully alive. What will keep this or any church that has experienced decline, what will keep it alive? And not just alive holding on, but a live new life that brings growth and begins to thrive? It will be through an emphasis on the gospel of Christ that he who knew no sin took upon himself the sin of man and was nailed upon the cross on Calvary. What were his last words spoken? 
There on the cross, it is finished. That which he came to do was complete. And now, the mission that he entrusted to those early disciples and has been passed on to you and me in our day is as we're going on our way, do what we can to make disciples. We do that by sowing the seed. By sowing the seed. And some of the soil will be good soil. And good soil will bring forth good fruit. I conclude in this way. During the time that was known as the Dark Ages, in that day, the church, the church locally, many of them, they were dying. Their influence was dying. But there were a few who remembered and who obeyed and repented of their sins of omission as well as commission. And that led to a renewed emphasis on the doctrine of justified by faith. And that simple truth that we're justified by faith, our faith, our faithfulness to God and the mission he has given us, that simple truth Truth brought forth the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation. It woke up a sleeping giant. The third chapter of Revelation, verse 5 and 6 says, He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Here's a question. What is God's evaluation of this and many other local churches in this area of Allegheny County, and even across America. It's time for sleeping churches of this town and other places to wake up and be renewed inwardly and be renewed in their faithfulness and to the mission that as you're going on your way, do what you can to give a witness of God's inclusive love, his saving grace, the newness and greater fullness of life that we receive when we know Jesus as Savior and Lord. God is not so much concerned about what makes you happy or me happy. He, we sh should be concerned of what we can do to make him happy. One day, one day, we stand before God. His people want to hear him say, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Our closing hymn this morning is hymn number...